It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, June 9th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Tonight, the California Report looks at the details involving a San Diego-based large-scale FBI operation focusing on drug trafficking and money laundering, a new report from the Family Reunification Task Force, and the use of CRISPR gene editing technology on an invasive species of mosquito in California. Then, after local headlines and weather, Felton Pruitt speaks with Rita Hosking about being a touring musician in the time of COVID. We close tonight with a commentary by Debbie Gibbs concerning proper green waste recycling for a fire-safe community. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin with news out of San Diego. An FBI-led operation base there has led to hundreds of arrests worldwide on charges ranging from drug trafficking to money laundering. At a news conference yesterday, acting U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of California, Randy Grossman, said law enforcement officials set up an encrypted communications network, which was used by criminals around the globe. For the first time, the FBI developed and operated its own hardened encrypted device company called Anum. As we allege in our indictment, criminal organizations and the individual defendants that we have charged purchased and distributed Anum devices in an effort to secretly plan and execute their crimes. The network was shut down on Monday, and more than 9,000 of the phones that had been purchased were still active. All told, authorities seized 8 tons of cocaine, 22 tons of marijuana, hundreds of firearms, and more than $48 million in various worldwide currencies as part of the operation. Further north in Los Angeles, the L.A. County Board of Supervisors has voted to expand the unarmed response to people having a mental health crisis there. From KPCC, Robert Garova has more. The county will explore using federal COVID-19 relief money to beef up its psychiatric mobile response teams. The teams of clinicians are run by the Department of Mental Health. They're an unarmed alternative to the mental evaluation teams at the Sheriff's Department, which pair up a deputy and a clinician. Both departments' teams go out on thousands of psychiatric emergencies every year. There are about 30 of the unarmed mental health teams for the whole county, but demand is so high that response times can be several hours or even a whole day depending on staffing. Mark Gale is with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. There is absolute chaos going on out there. I talk to families all the time. There's just not enough well-trained clinicians out there to respond to crisis. The supervisors ordered staff to come up with a plan to make the unarmed teams available 24-7. They currently only work full-time during business hours on weekdays, and they don't respond at all between the hours of 2 and 8 a.m. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles. As California prepares to lift most of its COVID-19 restrictions next week, five counties will be able to spend a few days in the least restrictive yellow tier for reopening. Alameda, Napa, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and San Diego counties will all be allowed to loosen capacity limits before the state's scheduled reopening on June 15th. Stanislaus County has also moved from the red tier to the less restrictive orange tier. Governor Gavin Newsom has said that despite the planned reopening, the pandemic-related state of emergency will continue past June 15th, in large part due to federal funding for things like COVID testing and vaccinations. Republican legislators sent the governor a letter this week asking for a better explanation as to why that declaration hasn't already been lifted. 
The federal government plans to reunite more than two dozen families who were separated by the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policies in the coming weeks. That's according to a new report from the Family Reunification Task Force that came out yesterday. KQED's Michelle Wiley reports. In a press call Tuesday, ACLU attorney Lee Gallant, who's been representing the separated parents as part of a class action lawsuit, said he was glad to see the 29 families being reunified. And he hopes things will move faster now that there's a process in place. When the president of the United States says that something is an historic moral stain on the country, then I think all red tape needs to go. There can't be any bureaucratic slowness. We just need to get this done. More than 2,100 children remain separated from their parents, according to the report. Though Gallant says he believes more families have been reunited than the tally indicates. In a joint statement with New York Congressman Jerry Nadler, Silicon Valley Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren praised the progress of the task force, but said reunification is not enough and expects future reports to include more detailed plans on how to support these families. For The California Report, I'm Michelle Wiley. Support for the California Report comes from SF MoMA, presenting the exclusive U.S. exhibition of Nam Jun Peck, a visionary global artist who bridged art, music, performance, and technology. Learn more at sfmoma.org. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And Blue Shield of California, Rebuilding the future of healthcare with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not for profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Back in 2013, an invasive species of mosquito was first found in California. Aedes aegypti is known to carry diseases like dengue, Zika, and yellow fever. Now, a professor at UC Santa Barbara is using the gene editing technology known as CRISPR to try and contain its spread. For member station KCBX, Benjamin Perper brings us that story. UCSB professor Craig Montell says there's a clear reason why the state would want this invasive species gone. There are one billion people, that's it with a B, a billion people that get sick from mosquitoes every year. I mean, basically, we have a pandemic every single year from mosquitoes. With that in mind, and with the spread of Aedes aegypti into most of California's counties, Montel set out to find a way to control the species' spread, specifically by using CRISPR gene editing technology to target a specific gene tied to fertility in male mosquitoes. If you release sterile males into the general Aedes aegypti population, Montel says, females that mate with them are themselves rendered infertile. That decreases the size of the next generation. And the reason why that's very important is that it's the females that bite you, not the males. Montel and his team concluded that this method of what's called sterile insect technique, or SIT, is an effective way to control the mosquito population that's more environmentally benign than using pesticides. And since Aedes aegypti is not indigenous to California, In most places, it wouldn't be an environmental concern. But Shannon Bennett, a microbiologist with the California Academy of Sciences, says this technology may not be a silver bullet. This might be a great innovative way to scale the removal of Aedes aegypti where it's invasive, but there's a lot of other underlying problems that need to be addressed. Problems like other species of mosquito filling the void if Aedes aegypti were to go away. Bennett says she favors a multi-pronged approach to tackling the mosquito problem in California, like... Educating people to dump the water and put the infrastructure in place to not store water and to live in, a, in screened environments. Montel says it would require public and governmental buy-in to make his plan a reality. 
In the meantime, he says this technology is potentially only a few years away from being able to do this on a large scale. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in San Luis Obispo. And that is the California Report for this Wednesday, June 9th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Dramali. Thank you for listening. Cal Fire has reported the Intonco Fire as 45% contained. The fire, first reported Tuesday, moved north near Chuck Yeager Road in Wheatland and has burned 950 acres and one home. California's drought has accelerated the start of the 2021 wildfire season. Governor Gavin Newsom officially declared that 41 of the state's 58 counties are in drought, Nevada County being among them. At around 12.30 this afternoon, California Highway Patrol responded to a collision involving at least one vehicle on Highway 49 off Smith Road. According to reports from CHP personnel, the car was engulfed in flames and the driver had to be pulled from the vehicle and rushed to the hospital with life-threatening injuries. The fire spread to the surrounding hill, covering about a quarter acre of vegetation. It was reportedly extinguished by 1 p.m. Both Highway 49's northbound and southbound traffic lanes were blocked for two hours. Former Nevada County Deputy District Attorney Jesse Wilson will become the county's new district attorney after yesterday's 3-2 vote by the Board of Supervisors. Wilson is currently an El Dorado County Deputy District Attorney and will begin the Nevada County position July 11th, following current District Attorney Cliff Newell's departure. The Humane Societies of Truckee and Tahoe have announced they will be reopening to the public on June 17th, having previously been closed to public visits due to COVID-19. Their new hours will be Thursday through Monday, 1 to 6 p.m. Nevada County Community Library released their summer programming this week. This season's theme is Reading Colors Your World. The kickoff party for the summer program will be next Wednesday, June 16th from 4 to 6 p.m. in the parking lot of the Rood County Administration Center in Nevada City. Summer learning officially begins on June 14th and will continue through July. Along with grab-and-go and virtual programs, Grass Valley, Madeline Helling, Truckee, and Penn Valley Libraries will be offering summer lunches at the library for those 18 years and younger. The Sacramento Bee reports another coronavirus variant has made its way to the U.S. The variant, known as Delta, is more contagious and increases disease severity, including risk of hospitalization. The variant has previously been seen in 60 other countries, including the U.K. and India. Emerging evidence, particularly from the U.K., has shown its peaking in people between 12 and 20 years of age. Yesterday, Tuesday, June 8th, Protesters at the Sacramento County Administration Building in downtown Sacramento urged local law enforcement not to proceed with plans to clear homeless encampments starting June 15th. Roughly 50 homeless advocates and medical students participated to bring attention to the end of the county's coronavirus public health order, which prohibits clearing homeless encampments. And now for regional weather. In Grass Valley in Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 44. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 70. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 25 with winds up to 20 miles per hour. Tomorrow will be mostly sunny with a high near 60. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear skies with a low around 48. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 78.
Next up, we have Felton Pruitt speaking with Northern California folk musician Rita Hosking. We're talking with Rita Hosking. What is your band officially called right now, Rita? You know, it really just depends on the configuration. So my name's always in there, and sometimes it's Rita Hosking and Sean Feeder, because I'd like to point out that I always have this handsome fellow with me. Yeah, you actually married, married him. Too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he plays amazing dobro and banjo and guitar. So Rita Hosking and Sean Feeder, or just Rita Hosking, or when we also have a bass player, Mr. Bill Dakin, we call it the Rita Hosking Trio to make it easier. And you were nice enough a short while back to play for us on KVMR Live during the Strawberry Weekend broadcast. We were so pleased to do that. We being uh, my daughter, Cora, Sean and I have two daughters, and the older one is an awesome songwriter, musician, and she came along and... We were honored to be there. Thank you for having us, Bill. Oh, yeah. You guys sounded great, and Cora uh, is going to be another major star. You know, that evening, uh, Joe Craven played later, and I was just thinking that you could start a band with Cora and Joe's daughter and probably some of your other friends' daughters and kids and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you see that happening, the younger generations banding together, seeing that. I, I, I think Hattie's just started a band with uh, Jessica Malone. Yeah, that's Hattie Craven, Joe Craven's daughter. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to check in with you and find out how things are going for you and, and you as a musician. I mean, you kind of got shut down for a year, year and a half. First off, you were doing really well. You're putting out great albums. And then COVID came. How did that affect you? How did you deal with it as a musician, a touring musician? Well, I feel fortunate that I've been doing this for a while. You know, everybody lost everything. We all lost our all our gigs. we worked so hard to book for the foreseeable future, you know? So that was just a big hit for everyone. And the people I felt particularly bad for were people that were just kind of getting the ball rolling too, which for instance, uh, we brought up Cora who was just really kicking butt on what she was doing. And um, her ball was starting to take off. And then this came along and just bottomed out. So a lot of what she was working on. So it was hard not to say she, she's not given up. She's going to keep working on it and doing it, and she's working on another album. But I was fortunate to have a lot of years of experience, so I felt like, well, okay, at least I have this great fan base, so let's see what we can do. So what I did immediately was the those live stream shows, Facebook live shows, which I think we jumped in on the earlier side of it, before kind of everybody was doing it. So we had some really great crowd sizes in the first few. And it was such a good feeling of connection during the twilight zone that was the beginning of the pandemic, you know, where we were just all not, nobody knew what this was (laughs) that was really here. And there we had more questions and answers. And uh, that was a great feeling, I think, for us, my husband and I, and for the people tuning in. So we did that. Uh, I wrote some songs that uh, reflected the time, you know, one called Quarantine and uh, one called No Place But Here. I, The refrain says, I am no one but me and I am no place but here because I realized, you know, we all were kind of going along with our lives, sure of what we were doing perhaps. And then along comes this event that just um, pulled the rug out from everybody and so I, my line, the lines are like, I am a singer, I am a touring troubadour, I am a flyer, I go from London to New York, blah, blah, blah. But 
now it's pretty clear I am no one but me and I am no place but here. Wow. Not going anywhere. Um, so anyway, I enjoyed um, working out some stuff in songs in that way. And another thing I did immediately to, like I say, to kind of work with what I had was start a subscription online journal, which a bunch of faithful, wonderful fans signed on to. It's called The Or, and it's hosted at my website. And it's similar to some people use Patreon. It's just a service where you, uh, you can go and support artists on a monthly basis, That ones that have signed up for it. Excellent so service. Yeah. You know, um, it's a great thing. And so I, I like to do everything from scratch. So I made my own not using that service and made my own journal the way I like it from my website. And um, so it's just all my current work, discussions of past songs, demos, poetry, writing, visual art, videos, whatever I'm coming up with, I'm posting it there. And people who subscribe all get the same access no matter what they subscribe for monthly. So that's something I started up immediately. I'd always thought about doing it, but when the pandemic came along, I thought, well, here it is. Do it now or never. Do it. We've been talking with Rita Hosking, who uh, will be coming out on tour. You can see her at the fairgrounds. And then, uh, as we said, go to RitaHosking.com. Is that it? That's right. Okay. All the information's there. Rita, we love your music, and uh, we always love to talk with you. Thank you. We love KVMR. You can listen to Felton's full interview with Rita Hosking on our website, kvmr.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next, a commentary from Debbie Gibbs. What to do about all the green waste in our county. Residential open burning is now prohibited until further notice, probably until the rain returns. Since we are now in a drought, it is anybody's guess when residents can light up a burn pile again. Many of us are breathing a sigh of relief, literally, as the danger from unhealthy air pollution and ignition of wildfire from escape burn piles now dissipates. But if you didn't get as far as you wanted in reducing the flammable vegetation around your house, don't despair. Instead of viewing that vegetation as a liability, you can turn it into a resource. Think of it as green recycling for the benefit of our air, soil, water sequestration, and wildlife. Here are some alternatives. Trash service. If you live in western Nevada County, you can add a green waste bin to your waste management curbside pickup at a modest cost. In the city of Truckee, curbside service includes bins for garbage, recycling, and up to three 96-gallon green carts. Also, both Waste Management and Truckee offer short-term rentals of dumpsters that have a greater capacity if you have a large bundle of green waste. You can also shred it yourself. Using electric-powered leaf shredders and wood chippers will greatly reduce the volume of pine needles, leaves, and small branches to a nice compostable pile. This keeps your carbon footprint low and you can purchase less mulch and compost as well as dispose of fewer of those awful plastic bags that never decompose in the landfill. And don't forget that you can save those small sticks in a plastic bag for kindling in your winter wood stove or fireplace. You know, you can also just leave it. According to the John Muir Project, studies show that a dead pine tree is less flammable than a live tree 
as the combustible oil is reduced as the tree decomposes. And for snags or wildlife trees, they, these are ecologically important for good forest health. And all, says the U.S. Forest Service, some 1,200 forms of fauna rely on dead, dying, or rotted hollow trees. However, in our dry area, we face a dilemma. Snags are flammable and add to the fuel load. Certainly within 100 feet of your house, any dead wood is a risky deal. You can also bury it. Want to save scarce water? Then consider hugel mounds, which are constructed by burying or piling logs, branches, plantways, compost, and additional soil directly on the ground. Then you plant into the mound. This decomposing pile provides a warm and nutrient-rich environment for plants. And by using swales or terracing, the mounds capture valuable water. There's also the option to chip it. If a tree service helps you cut trees and brush, they are happy to pile the chips on your property. Also, FireSafe has a terrific wood chipping service, so if you stack your brush carefully at accessible, an accessible location, the crew will chip and leave a pile or take the chips away. FireSafe does suggest you keep chipped mulch 30 feet away from structures. When decomposed, these chips are a great planting medium for our native plants. And it is important to use native to support the insects and wildlife, many of whom can only survive on our native plants for their food and shelter. Finally, there's the option to haul it away. If you really can't find a place for the green bounty, then use FireSafe's Green Waste Drop-Off Service. Plus, if you need mulch, you can also take your old plastic mulch bags and refill them at the same location after the brush is chipped. There is one more Fire Safe Green Waste pickup coming up on June 11 through 16 at 12625 Brunswick Road, Grass Valley. This is near the corner of Greenhorn and Brunswick, and it runs from 7 to 3 from Friday to Monday. And then to pick up your mulch, you can come back to the same location on June 18 through 19 from 8 to 3, and that's a Friday and a Saturday. Truckee also offers a green waste drop-off, and residents can haul up to six yards of green waste to their transfer station for free. In western Nevada County, you can haul green waste to the McCourtney Road transfer station, but there is a fee. In summary, we have many technologies and tools for making green waste useful. Ideally, even when burning is permitted again, burn piles should be the last resort, not the first. So think about the rewards of green waste recycling, and we will all breathe easier. The views expressed on this show are those of the speakers only and are not necessarily those of KVMR, our board, staff, volunteers, or contributors. Debbie Gibbs lives in Nevada City, where she operates a 10-acre ranch with help from her team of vegetation control sheep and goats to minimize weed whacking. She is a member of the Nevada County Climate Change Now and Waste Not groups and has been involved in county agriculture and fiber arts for 20 years. That's our newscast for tonight, Wednesday, June 9, 2021. We get support from Green Acres Nursery and Supply, local, family-owned garden center with seven locations, including Green Acres Nursery and Supply at Isley's Auburn, offering products for every outdoor space, from plants to pottery, also irrigation supplies. IDigGreenAcres.com And the County of Nevada County, offering courtesy green waste disposal, 
June 11th through 16th, West County, and June 25th, East County, with mulch pickup June 18th and 19th. Specific details at readynevadacounty.org slash green waste. Stick around. Coming up next at 6.30 is The Sages Among Us. And at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks very much for listening. I'm your new summer news anchor, Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great night.